Yellow, and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. This week we will be discussing the uh, Strange New Worlds episode 2.6, entitled Lost in Translation. Not to be confused with the Sofia Coppola film starring Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. My name is Ethan, one of your hosts. And I am... <laughs> He's a different host. <laughs> Sorry, I'm... Oh, my God. So, can we... That was so funny. So, I, I really appreciate what you did, just what you did in that opening. So, we... Before the show began, we were talking about how there was a time... There seemed to be a time when people who answered the phone had their own signature greeting. You know, they'd say, you know, they'd say hello in very different ways and... I knew somebody who would always go, yeah, hello. And so he decided to, <laughs> and I think in one of our, in, in one of our, you know, rehearsals for this, you were just getting too loud. So I said, tone down the excitement. So you just went, you decided to go, yeah, hello. So I, uh, I, I, <laughs> That's a cool person. I appreciate, I on the phone. appreciate that. But, but it is, I mean, don't you agree with me? It is becoming, it's become a lost art. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Because you know, it's a, cause you know, who's, you know, it's calling. So you tailor it to the person. Well, this week, yes, episode six, Lost in Translation. And it was directed by Dan Liu, who uh, has directed several, has about 12 directing credits under his belt. He did do some directing on a series for All Mankind, which I think is a fantastic show. But I would say most notably, he's been a director. He directed two seasons of Star Trek Picard last season, season three. And among others, he's done NCIS, Kung Fu. He's done The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And he has done Strange New Worlds. He also directed the Memento, uh, Memento Mori from season one. I believe that was the one that was the Balance of Terror-like episode when they were... Uh, Trying to evade the uh, Gorn in the nebula, so I believe it was. I believe that's the one. And it was written by Onarita Johnson and David Reed. Onarita Johnson doesn't really have any writing credits under his, her, or their belt. They're really uh, kind of beginning uh, with Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. They've been production assistant on a short film called Driven, and they were a grip on. Another short called Nightside, but they also they mostly served as a writing assistant for last season of Strange New Worlds. I'm sorry, I didn't say what were you gonna say? I said what what a great start to their writing career. Totally. And the other writer, David Reed, has written for Strange New Worlds as well. He wrote actually wrote Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And but he's also written episodes of The Boys, The Magicians, and Aquarius. And just going a little bit further back, he did a few episodes of Supernatural as well. I've never seen The Boys, and I hear nothing but good things about it. It is fantastic. Starring, of course, Jack Quaid and Carl Urban. Yes, and we maybe we should mention that we just uh, saw Oppenheimer. Also, no, I wouldn't say starring Jack Quaid, but featuring. Certainly- Featuring Jack Clayton for a couple of minutes. Barbenheimer. <clears throat> I saw Barbenheimer. You only saw Oppenheimer. I, I did. I did. I just hope that Jack Quaid doesn't become too big for this. Because I was thinking to myself, you know, you, uh, you can be a live action actor, but I got to imagine doing voiceover. That's a nice kind of a side gig. Put a couple bucks in your pocket. 
Yeah, it's a cushy gig. It's I cushy mean, gig. yeah, we could be worried that he was in Oppenheimer, which clearly is, you know, going to be heralded as this great film. But he was in it for, he did so little in it. I don't, I'm not worried that he's going to suddenly skyrocket right. off of Hollywood's uh, He's actually, I think, kind of in a way becoming, I mean, he was the killer in, in the last Scream film. But in a way, he's, with, with the exception of that, in a way, he's kind of like in movies becoming somewhat of a, like a bit player or a character actor in, in a lot of ways. Like he's not the star of it, but he's just kind of a side character who's, where you're like, oh, yeah, I recognize that guy. Who is that guy? And, you know, obviously, he, you know, he's more prominent in television with the boys. But in film, he seems to be more relegated to be like a side character, a supporting player. Yeah, yeah. But a supporting player in a film like Oppenheimer, that's right. Good. I don't know if he's like, because other people that were supporting character, like they had Oscar winners playing, yeah. having, you know, yeah. a five minute scene. So, yeah, he was in good company. Well, this week, so I think our recording schedule, as you can probably attest to, got a little fucked up, is going to be a little fucked up because yeah. as we're recording this, it's Monday, July 24th. Two days ago, they, uh, one week early, they released the Lower Decks crossover, and they're moving up the season. So not only do we have to record that episode, but we have another episode coming this week as well. So thanks, Paramount. Thank you for releasing the episode early, but you fucked up right. our recording schedule. Early and not give us a week off. Yeah. So now we gotta now we gotta rush. Look what you've done, Paramount. I wonder if that was because they don't have actors at Comic Con because of the strike, so they wanted to do something to get some attention. Well, they did screen the episode at Comic-Con, and I think that was always the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, so it doesn't leak. And I had just totally forgotten that Saturday was Comic-Con, I just because I was doing other things that I didn't even realize. In fact, I had just gotten home like around 6 p.m. or 7 o'clock, and they released it at 7. And I think I was checking one of the Trek news sites or something, and they reviewed the episode. And I was like, wait, why are they reviewing the episode already? And then clicking onto it, it said, oh, Paramount released it a few days early and I was like, Oh shit. And so I like quickly, you know, brewed some coffee and sat on the couch and watched it and I enjoyed it, but we will talk about that next time. So lost in translation, a Uhura centric episode. An Uhura slash Kirk centric episode. Yes. We finally spent some time with the real Kirk and Looking at the trailers for this episode, and you clearly saw Uhura having hallucinations as she did in this episode. And when Kirk was featured, I thought to myself, are we getting another not real Kirk this time? Yeah. So I was no, glad that we finally didn't. But so they found a way. Let's just get this out of the way first. They found okay. a way to have Kirk on the show fully. Yes. And have him interact with everyone. This so, episode, it felt very loopholey. A lot of it, it did, didn't because, it? Yes. So Pike gets the fleet captain um, promotion, but all that means is that he's the captain of his own ship. He's the captain of an oil or a fuel refinery and a captain of the Farragut for right. one mission. Right. So it's temporary. So it's, it's the fleet. It's not like the entire fleet. Right. It's two ships and a fuel so, refinery. I actually did some research on what fleet captain in the context of Trek is supposed to be. And I guess what it means is 
a certain number of ships fall under your jurisdiction. I think like your fleet captain for like a certain sector of space. And there are ships within that sector of space that sort of fall under your jurisdiction. They go into this in one of the Discovery novels, actually. So I guess like Discovery, the USS Discovery, and even the Enterprise fell under the jurisdiction of that admiral that had been featured in the first pilot in the first episode. So um, that's it's not like captain of the fleet. It's like you have that's a certain, admiral. Yeah, I described yeah. an admiral to you. It's more than two ships. Did I, did I describe what an admiral is to you? No. But you said you mentioned that the admiral was in charge of more than one ship of Discovery and. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's a bigger jurisdiction. Maybe you have multiple jurisdictions. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But um, anyway, they made it work. It was fine, I guess. But here's the thing if they continue to interact, yeah. then it would make it strange that later he says, Oh, I met him when he became fleet captain. So this is, I say loopholy, and this is what I mean. So this is an example. Now, going back to watch, because it's mentioned in the beginning of the Menagerie when Commodore Mendez says to Kirk, have you ever met Chris Pike? Kirk says, we met when he was promoted to fleet captain, period. Then the Admiral says, oh, he's about your age, young, vibrant, all that stuff. Which, I mean, okay. But in this show, they don't seem to be the same age to me, but that's fine. And then, he, and then Kirk says, and then he furthers it by saying, I took over the Enterprise from him, and Spock met, served with him for several years, period. Then they go in to see Pike, who's already in the box with the light, and the Admiral's saying, like, you know, you know these gentlemen. So it's like there's, there seems to be the sense that Pike knows them a little bit just beyond the initial meeting. But I think there was sort of this assumption, rightly or wrongly, that Pike was promoted to fleet captain, then turned command of the – which causes him to leave the Enterprise and then yeah. turn it over to Kirk. So in a way, so something about it felt like, wait a minute, that's not what's supposed to happen. But it was totally my own headcanon. Yeah, but although, to be fair, it's yeah. very likely that when it was written, that's what they meant. I think so, too. Because he says, I took over the Enterprise from him. So it's sort of like, it kind of almost leads into that sentence. Yes. But it's fine. It's fine. It's Again, it's not wrong. But it was also, I think, because here's the thing. That one line was preventing Kirk from being a recurring regular on the show. Which I was to interact with Pike. So now that line was keeping it from happening. So now that they've done it, now they've now they've said because now again, Pike's temporary. Now he's gonna go back to captain, which you're right, Kirk met him when he was promoted to fleet captain, but he didn't say when he was temporarily promoted to fleet captain. So now that they've sort of gotten this out of the way. They've sort of cleared the way now for Kirk to continue to come back, which... Well, why would he? He's on a different ship. He's the he's number one on the Farragut. I mean, I don't think he's going to be coming back every week, but it's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be unusual that we'll see him every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly he, he um, is going to have a drink with uh, on at some point. But that's what I... It, I don't want that. And again, it's not wrong. It's just, it's, it's the, it's the issue. And this is not Star Trek only, you know, movie, other movies and television shows, part of a franchise is doing this. It's the constant, like, Oh, we have to remind you of that. We have to connect things. We have to, I just, I love strange new worlds to death and I don't want it. I don't, there's enough legacy characters on there already 
in the main cast. I just want the show to continue and I don't want to have to think about Kirk until, you know, the very end. So yeah. I just, I was, yeah. I rolled with it. I enjoyed the episode. Any of the hmm. critiques I'll point out will not be suggest I didn't enjoy the episode. There just were moments that I thought, why is this Kirk doing all this? Yeah. 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 It doesn't really make sense. Is he, because is he just trying to pick up Aurora? Because that's a, that was the only logical thing. Right. I mean, maybe, yes, he's just a good guy who wants to help people, I guess. Yeah. But well, for some reason, I didn't buy that. It just seems like he's real interested in the ladies that work on the ship. He's got a real Riker vibe to him. Now that we've spent the better part of an entire episode with the real Kirk and not some alternate version of Kirk... Do you what do you think now of Paul Wesley's portrayal? Um, there was a moment, I'll tell you the moment when I liked it a lot. Um, when he gave this speech to Uhura about death not winning. Let me find my notes here. Toward the end, I think, right? Is when he did that? Toward the end. Yeah. So he yeah. said, um, yeah. So he's talking to her about how, yeah, um, death was winning. Like right now, death is winning, but you can't let death win. Um, that actually reminded me of some of his classic speeches, like yes. risk our business. Risk is our and business. So I thought that was kind of great, actually. I don't believe in a no win scenario. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think that was quite good. So at that point, I was sort of realized, like, okay, maybe he's got his, um, He's finding his strength here, which is motivating other people, inspiring. But he does seem a bit like a, uh, to use a, a, a bad phrase, he seems a little bit like a fuckboy. Well, Paul Wesley's performance portrayal as the character is growing on me. And I think that it's difficult to look back at the other ones because it wasn't the real one, right? And based on his conversation with will wheaton on the ready room in some on some level he was he had that in mind as he was portraying kirk in those episodes like this isn't this is an alternate timeline kirk so this isn't meant to be the real kirk and also i mentioned this to you last week or the week probably after tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow where paul wesley said that he knows where kirk has to be he said if shatner's playing him as a 10 i'm gonna play him as a four because this is before all of that and if I play him as a 10 now, there's nowhere else to go. So he's playing him at an earlier stage, but he's also thinking about what would he possibly be like at this age? Can he plant some seeds for what we eventually see in Shatner's portrayal? So I yeah. appreciate him. I like doing that he that. has a plan. Yeah. I think again, I don't really see it in the performance personally. Like I think even that right now, Death is winning speech. It was probably more the writing than the acting that sold it for me. Yeah, but I, I agree. But in some way, I kind of feel like that's working in his favor because you, like we were talking about, like with Chris Pine or even Zachary Quinto, like you, you don't want them to kind of imitate. You just want those little reminders of the previous, of the original performer and 
Paul Wesley may not remind us too much of Shatner yet, but I, I don't, I, I'm still, whether intentional or not, I feel like that's okay because we're not, we're not there yet. Like we're not, he's not that Kirk yet. So it's in a way, I feel like I'm being a little bit more forgiving to how he is being portrayed. I, I certainly see moments where like, oh, there's, there's William Shatner, right? Mm. So, one of the things that I found strange is that this reminded me a little bit of Laan a few weeks ago, but Kirk helps Uhura to cover up the fact that she's hallucinating so much that she would attack a superior officer. Yeah. Seems really irresponsible to help someone cover up the fact that they are hallucinating this bad that could be on the bridge, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. So, it seems very reckless. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I agree with that. Yeah. And I do think that he was hitting on her at first. So he I think so. And that but I, I'm but using that as a springboard. So did you notice the parallels between that and the Abrams film? He met Uhura in a similar way in in a bar, not on the Enterprise, but he met on a, he met her in a bar and he was you know, he was hitting on her. And right. And he also in that movie got into a fight and he got punched like, I think like right in the nose. And then Ohora punched him in the, in in this episode, Ohora punched him like pretty much in the same place. So like there were some badass. So he was just getting into bar fights where this one he's on the straight and narrow. So I appreciate there being some sort of light mirroring of how it sort of went down in the, Kelvin timeline, like particularly when Kirk and Uhura first met, it's it, it echoed that quite a bit. I mean, he was certainly, you know, in, in the in the Kelvin timeline, he was a bit more of an asshole and he wasn't even in Starfleet yet. And so here it was a little bit more restrained, a little bit more, you know, he wasn't like a nasty piece of shit like he was in the movie. So but I like that they went there and kind of mirrored that encounter a little bit, had it go a little bit differently. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. that nonetheless. That is interesting. One of the things I think is tough in discussing this episode is that so much happens. And I'm noticing this with Strange New Worlds a lot. It's a very dense show. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Update on Spock and Chapel's relationship. Yep. Just as kind of a one-off scene. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to define things. How are you feeling about that relationship? I don't know. I don't think it's really changed anything. No. We didn't see much of it. It was just they were playing chess. Right. And one thing I have to say as a chess player is that Spock is playing bullet chess all the time. Yeah. Because it's very funny when you play with people that you think about you move for a while, then as soon as you move, they just move immediately. <laughs> totally, yeah. It's very annoying. Um, I don't I don't believe Kirk that Spock was two moves away from checkmate for some reason. So one thing that they did that I loved is we got to see our old friend Hemmer again, which I was very happy about. Yeah. So I liked the way we saw Hemmer also. It wasn't, um, well, terrifying first, but then also looking at him on the, yeah. Wow. Video. That was good. Yeah. It It was not dumb. 
I, I, I truly appreciate the idea that like Star Trek, the new shows kind of embrace our technological habits being that like modern day tech habits, meaning that like Hemmer showed her how to do something. So they're going to record it and she's going to refer back to it kind of like we would do that, like on our phones or something. So I like that they I like that they've um, done that. And I think and, and I think just using that as a device to show him again. I thought was actually pretty was pretty clever. I really enjoyed that. And I just I really really missed that character. Yeah, so it was nice to see. I also really appreciated um, the reference to why the crew is not embracing. Um, like, I don't liking on the characters thing. Tell you. Yes, because they see her and know that she's not Hammer, and that makes them sad, and so they've been avoiding her. So that was interesting because we definitely saw that from Uhura, who was acting like she definitely had met her before when she really hadn't. Right. Yeah. Well, and I got to admit, as a viewer, I kind of felt the same way. Love Carol Kane, but Pelig is not Hammer. And, but I think in a lot of ways, that's they just they completely changed the character for Chief Engineer this time, so it would not even remind us of Hammer, right? Kind of like. You know, when they did the 2016 Ghostbusters film, they went all female. So you wouldn't even think about the original movie. So I like that they, you know, did a completely different chief engineer this time. But we've actually not. We're six episodes in. And I think by comparison, we've seen less of her, the chief engineer, than we did Hammer. I mean, Hammer didn't show up until the second episode of the season last year. And I mean, there were some episodes he wasn't featured in. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we've seen, we had spent a lot more time with Hammer last season with him being there than we have her. I mean, we've gone like, didn't we go like three weeks, two weeks without even seeing her? I would say we saw more Hammer last season than we've seen Pike this season. Yeah. And that's, actually one of my notes like it's the the lack of focus on the principal character pike despite despite the fact that there are two episodes that feature kirk um yeah and yeah. and so you know i know you're the pike fan stan yeah but i uh even i kind of thought like wouldn't it have been nice if pike was kirk in this situation like I, th- I feel like Pike could have done most of the things, other than the fact that for some reason they're doing it all sneakily, which, you know, I brought it up a little bit, but I think it gets even worse when, so we have this fellow Ramon who's sabotaging the ship and has something to do with the auditory hallucinations that Uhura is having. Um, so he escapes and yeah. um, Pike calls security and he runs after him. And then for some reason, then, uh, Kirk goes to a horror and says, we have to stop Ramon before he hurts anyone else. Like, the security team and the captain are on it. Why do you two now have to go off on your own little side mission for it? Right. So some of the decisions just struck me as odd. I don't know why they were working in parallel with the captain, but not mm, being upfront with him. I've had the thought more than once. And what I keep thinking about why they're doing this is are they grooming him to eventually be the new lead of the show and actually do what I thought they were. I, I wondered they would do and like actually like, does the show not end with Kirk becoming command coming in command, but him 
take command during and then continue with him in command at some point? Like, what is... And I was actually... I got fearful of that in this episode when we saw Pike become fleet captain. I thought, oh my god, are they... Are they even though he said it's temporary, I'm like, I'm like, wait, but are they kind of planting the seed now? I wouldn't mind them doing that, but not now. And like, I, I don't want them to sideline Pike now. I like Pike. Right. Like, don't you feel like, in a lot of ways, the show seems to be rushing... Like... I f- in in some ways I feel like when they conceptualized the show the writers had an idea of where they wanted it to end up and it's almost like they're getting very excited they're chomping at the bit to get there and like they just they really want to do it like I, I feel like in in some ways I feel like this is all it's all moving too fast if that's what's happening then yes but it also fits with the focus even when we don't have Kirk we we're seeing not that much of Pike yeah i mean you mentioned in episode was it episode two this season there was a point where you mentioned anson mount had a baby yes so is that all it is is it like i think that was only the explanation for one episode that he wasn't in at all or was only in for like one scene but maybe 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 i just i hope that we that pike eventually comes back to being the forefront i mean here's the thing i i I truly do appreciate the show becoming a little bit more of an ensemble right because that's one of the things that i think we were longing for in watching discovery we wanted to see episodes focused on other people but it was always around michael and some way and if it wasn't directly michael she made her way into it somehow so i appreciate the show like really kind of taking a next generation stance where it, it does decide okay this week you know uhura gets an episode this week number one gets an episode this you know but we have yet to see i mean did the well i guess pike was sort of the lead in the first episode of the season but nevertheless i mean he's certainly feels like he's taken somewhat of a step back so it's nice to have the other actors shine because it's a good cast but i still i don't want i i don't want to forget about pike i still want some focus yeah. on him yeah me too, me too and then one more of my critiques before i'll drop this particular issue is there's one point when kirk leaves um uhura and um he says she says i'll be fine i promise mm-hmm. now it's already been established that she is having hallucinations that are so real that she attacked the superior officer, but her just saying, Oh no, I'm going to be good. And he's like, okay, that's, that's fine. then." So like, there's a lot of trouble. A bridge crew member can cause when they're hallucinating to that extent. There is. And it seemed very strange to just take your word. Cause she might think she'll be fine, but she was clearly not fully in control. And I was starting to get some Picard Sun flashbacks, which he kept having these sounds that she no was red, hearing. No red doors, though. Yes, it was getting, starting to get me to the red door vibe. And then seeing all the people bloody around him, it was really was starting to have that. Feeling. Which was just, you know, a representation of, like, what they were actually doing. Yes, it was so, very cool. It was explained. Yeah. Right. I really liked that. The only way that they could communicate with her was by through her memories. So I do. I do think, though, because the, the basic idea of the plot, I, I think let's just kind of go over it so we can orient ourselves here a little bit. But 
there's a space station they have built kind of like, well, kind of like an oil refinery, if you know, in a way out in space to collect starship fuel, deuterium. And unbeknownst to them, there are non-corporeal aliens within the deuterium that they are unintentionally harming. And they are somehow communicating to Uhura and that other, and that it was that other crew member, I believe, right? So it's the two of them. And not it. So, and I will say not an entirely original idea. I, we've seen versions of this, you know, the Trek shows where like they, they're unintentionally, yeah, I mean, I think the spore like, drive was one of them, right? Which we thought was going to be the, yeah. yeah. And that was, I really, I did predict this episode and watching it that that would be what's happening. Right. But, you know, discovery spore drive in the, but in the tradition of strange new worlds, they have shown us that they can really take an existing plot line and use it to very refreshing effect. True. And, and I think it's just really about like the quality of writing, the performances, like it's just, it's totally fine that, you know, we've seen versions because it's, it's because in a way it's also like a classic Star Trek story. It's like, it's the moral implications of you're doing harm to an alien life form and Starfleet's all about, you know, exploring new life and new civilizations, of course. Right. So, but I did feel like, and I've had this thought, you know, at least two other times. Um, I did feel like it was getting a little long in the tooth at one point. I think like when they got halfway, we got, I think when we reached like the halfway mark of the episode and the other character died, they had, we had not yet made any progress on what this was. And I just kind of felt a little bit of like, I feel like we should know something by now. Like, why is this? In a way, it felt like it was just dragging a little bit. Felt a little, I keep saying the word padded for a lot of the, for a lot of stuff lately. It's like, it felt a little, in places it felt a little, a little padded. Yeah. It did focus a lot on just that Uhura Kirk relationship developing. Right. It's true. And then there were points when I was a little confused, which doesn't happen much in the show, when they were in the nacelle, which I thought looked really, really cool. But yes. there were points when I started to get confused. I said, wait a minute, are they in the nacelle or are they on the refinery? I had the same thought. I, I had the same thought. Because- they were talking like, we can't shut down the refinery, though. Like the, It's not reacting. And I thought, wait, I thought they were in the nacelles. I thought they were in the nacelles as well. So I, it was, it was um, I they think... Were. Well, so what scene are you talking about specifically? I was talking talk- about um, like where they first found Ramon, and then yeah, so and Chief and um, yeah, so I can help you out. Una scenes there. I think Una and the and, and Pelia they were on the station, and I can see why we would think that was enough because it was like this really long cavernous yeah. right. But and I really thought this is so cool. We get to see inside the nacelles, and it's great what and i had the same thought because i was thinking of the enterprise episode the catwalk when they're when they camp out in the nacelles so but i they were but they did go into the nacelles and i don't but i don't think that was it it's when they were chasing ramon and then they climb and uhura climbed up the tube that scotty always goes in right and she's uh saying you know step away from the console there's a window in there and you see the the red nacelle cap spinning and then when that pl- that thing explodes he actually go you see him come out of the nacelle 
Oh yeah. So yeah. he's in the cell. But I but I thought the same thing because I think there was a clip of that online before the episode. It was just a clip, the isolated clip in the ready room. And I read a comment that's that it was the clip of them on the station, and somebody commented like, "Why is the nacelle so huge?" or something like that. And I'm like, "Well," and we were defending it in the comment section, thinking that was the nacelle because I think we were just. I think the nacelle would be that huge. It would be, yes, probably. But I think there were the station was bigger than that. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that's okay. I did think though that scene when um when Kirk beamed them out, emergency beam out, and then the explosion that was that was quite good. Yeah, a lot of new Trek blows people out into space. It's happened like it's three, true, yeah, happened like three times. The, right from the, the the Abrams film, I remember there was a great scene of that. Happened in Nemesis. Um, it was a, a deleted scene. It was supposed to happen in Insurrection, but didn't it happen? Happens in Discovery, certainly. It happened in Picard. That's how uh, what's her face, the villain in Picard, died. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Vatic, and then we Vatic, had yeah. the, um, we had the. It this, happened this season it, on Stranger Worlds with, with, yeah. It had the fake scene of everyone being sucked out of the view screen. Right. Uh, Mabenga and Chapel got blown out into space in the first episode of the season. That's true. I guess uh, that wouldn't be one of the prime dangers of being in space. Right. But they seem to be doing it a lot lately. I mean, this didn't... It didn't happen on the other shows all that often. <laughs> like, the previous generation of shows all that often. They probably couldn't make it look good. I mean, I can think of times where Enterprise did it. I mean, there was a time when Archer literally, you know, have an Archer, but like, it was kind of few and far between, right? I mean, this right. It happened. They were it happened like three times this season. So they were far. on the hull in First Contact, right? And I guess uh, Morph almost got lost and floated away in Nemesis. The Scimitar blasted the view screen off the Enterprise, and so some of them got blown out into space. And before the force field came up. Um, but I gotta say, Vatic's death last season on Picard was the best because she blew into space, she <laughs> froze up, and then she smashed against a ship into like you know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's that's absurd. About, but it's yeah. After the whole scene of like, is it ethical to you know do anything bad to her given that we've abused her? And then I was like, I guess it is because we're just gonna blast her yeah. into a million. Um, I gotta say though, so. What I'm noticing Strange New Worlds is doing a lot of, and I and I truly appreciate this. This is, I think, the second time this season. And I and I think off the top of my head, maybe it's the fourth or fifth time in total, but they're really embracing the idea of non-corporeal aliens and not just people with makeup, right? I mean, we had last week with charades, the yellow and blue, that those aliens. Now we have these ones. I'm thinking from last season the uh god the the illyrians you know number ones people like they became non-corporeal because of what they did you're the non-corporeal mm-hmm. aliens um who in the storybook episode so i like yeah, how gen thing i feel yeah it is the original series well so it's kind of fun to see it in this context what i want what i would love them to do though because this goes back to the conversation you and i were having back when the show, show was announced and how we want to see like you know some crazy shit near in the vein of the original series i want them to do another non-corporeal alien but it's like you just see it like glowing and floating there and the person talking it has like that echoey sound you know we are the metrons and like <laughs> i wanted to do i wanted to do it like in that style yeah, it's like the doesn't a mariner make a comment about all the like glowing yes. energy people that they encounter? Yeah. 
Yes. Well, it happens in the second episode of Lower Decks. Remember the one comes through and they use it oh, yeah. to create the uh, <laughs> to create the uh, the tricorder. Right. Like it's really big. Then it, like they use all the energy it becomes like the size of like a thumb. It's like it becomes really really small. Mm-hmm. But I like that the it it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about how even though obviously it has the budget to do a lot more, they sort of come at it with this original series mentality where they've they've got again non-corporeal aliens any other ships they show are usually constitution class vessels so Mm -hmm. i truly appreciate them doing that and a lot of and i will also say it was just occurring to me as i was watching it a lot of bottle shows i'm seeing you know they don't do a lot of um we haven't really been on location all that often this season it's mostly been within the confines of the ship right as well You know, they, they did um, have quite the, I guess, the refinery itself was, you know, it was a nice space location, I suppose. Yes, which was, I believe was the AR wall. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But right. they really... I think interesting. If Kirk seems like he's going to go on a date with, the clearly Laan has the hots for Kirk, right? We can agree on that? Yes. Totally. So, I think it would be weird if he dates Khan's great, 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 and then great, 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 space seed. Yeah, that would be a little bit weird if he dates her, and then it happens, and he, <laughs> that would make it very strange. So, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they don't hook up. Again, is up. it that scene on Spacey that we didn't see when they find it? And Kirk's like, "I dated, I dated his." Distant relative. <laughs> yeah. And then Spock says, uh, yes, I recall uh, Chapel and I and you and Laan went on many double dates. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, right? It it doesn't it doesn't throw the whole it would not throw the entire episode of Space Seed or Breath of Khan yeah. into chaos. It, like it would still work, we, but we, it's like it's still strange. It just makes it odd. Kirk is not Spock. Right. Spock wouldn't because he's Spock and it's not relevant. But Kirk would say like, "My God, I dated his great, 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 great." Because what the thing is, what would it add? Like, how would it help them? It wouldn't help them at all, which is why it's not technically wrong to do. It's just yeah, it would yeah, just yeah. be a line like, "Oh my God, didn't we? Didn't we, we know did. her? Didn't we know? Didn't we know somebody with that name?" I did make up with his great, 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 great because. As the show has pointed out, but even th- even so, what I would say, I don't even think it would help anyway. She's not, she doesn't know if she has any sort of genetic, if she's inherited any genetic augmentations down the line. But even if she has, that doesn't help them in the moment of space to the Wrath of Khan because La'an is not there. Right. So she's not there to provide any insight on who Khan yeah, is, right. assuming she knows anything, assuming she knows that much about him at all. Yeah. True. True. But it's like it's like imagine if I found out I dated a great a distant relative of Mussolini. <laughs> he's all his great granddaughters are crazy. So I hope you don't. And then suddenly I encounter Mussolini himself, you know, he was <laughs> who comes back to life. Yeah, yeah why well, why would you mention it? It could, could only make things worse, I, probably. <laughs> 
absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's a kind it, you know, what it is, it's one of those, I think one of those liberties they're taking where it's like, where they just sort of feel like they're saying, yeah, it's not wrong and it's not wrong. Yeah. It's just, it, it adds a weird wrinkle to it for some reason that doesn't, I'm just like, I don't, wh- wh- yeah. why are we doing this? It, it's, you know, what it is, it's, it's the, it's the thing I complain about a lot. The, and other franchises do this too. The connecting of things unnecessarily. Yeah. It yeah, makes the universe smaller. Like, you don't really need romantic relationships in Star Trek. I know that might be. They're weird. not very interesting, honestly. Like, they haven't really yeah, been very interesting. Are, like, even Next Generation, yes, we had Riker and Troy, but. But even then, it wasn't much of anything. Yeah, it wasn't much of a. Didn't play into many of the stories or no. come up that often. It was like the tension between um, Beverly and Picard was it, just the fact that there was tension there and you could read into it was better than anything else. Right. Right. Star Trek does not have their own Sam Malone and Diane Chambers, right? Well, if it would be Picard, I think, in, in Beverly. Right. You think but so? They mm. do, yeah. But so it's just. But it's that just was the basis of Cheers, not the. Yeah. Right. I think we take for granted that. Most movies and shows will have some romantic relationships, but Star Trek has never really been about that. So it hasn't. But I, but I kind of enjoy watching the one between Pike and Patel because it's not always there. Oh, yeah. Like they come back to it once in a while, but that's. I agree. Yeah. It's also, because she's not part of the crew, it's not as right much of a day to day concern. Right. It, it kind of you know what you know what it's like. That's like Ben Cisco and Cassidy Yates. She wasn't there all the time and they, she'd come back on occasion and that was kind of it. I mean, I enjoyed their relationship a lot, but it wasn't the basis of the show. It was just one more layer of Ben Cisco that was, that was not Starfleet. It was like, that was, and again, you know, like, well, I'd say less so like Pike then because she wasn't in Starfleet. And so it was, that was more of his personal side you know it is a personal side of pike as well but i think her being in starfleet kind of you know gives it a little bit more of a work life work uh life to it as well so i just want to see it become a soap opera right yeah um no i agree with you i totally agree with you so the episode culminated in a rather historical moment. We finally saw the first meeting of James Kirk and Spock, which I quite enjoyed, and this is why I enjoyed it. This article I read, the headline of the article summed it up perfectly. It said, uh, Strange New Worlds gave us one of Star Trek's biggest historical moments, and it's like it didn't even care. Meaning that, and they're saying like it didn't even care, like it was a big, you know, like and like it should be that way. Meaning that Kirk and Spock didn't meet under like circumstances where like explosions are going off, alarms are blaring, they've come together because they're trying to save something. It's just and they immediately realize like we are meant to be together. Yeah, yeah, like they just shake hands. And they bond yeah. over Kirk's brother being a dick. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's fair. I, the thing, 
I actually have in my notes. I said, um, I just started to not mind Kirk, and then they had him meet Spock. And the thing I didn't, I just didn't like the way the camera like zoomed in on the handshake. I didn't notice that. I did not notice that. Yeah, it was really weird because the angle changed so that you saw the hands in the foreground and then in the background, uh, or his face looking like smiling. I gotta watch that again. I, I don't recall it doing that. I just watched it too. Again. Um, yeah, so that there was that. But that's true. It was, it was. So it was real. So monumental was nice. So I just want to be clear, though. Is it that you didn't like the meeting or you didn't like the way it was shot? I didn't like the way it was shot. And it was another thing of like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, you know, you said we finally saw this historic moment. Yeah, I didn't I didn't need to see the historic moment, I guess. I'm glad we got it. I am. Um, it worked for me. In a way, it kind of go. In some ways, it goes against my feelings earlier when I say it feels like at times they're rushing through things. They're rushing to get you know why are we doing this now? It's too early. But that moment worked for me. Yeah, I like your point that it it was treated as a tastefully. Non- it was tastefully done. Yeah, it was treated as just kind of a nothing. Because if you think most people that you become close to when you first meet, it probably is a very like normal meeting. Right. It's not because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's not Kirk and Spock fighting with each other like they do in the Abrams film. Which I mean, there was nothing wrong with that. It worked. It sort of worked in the moment. Using their brains together to save the day or something. And, And you know, and the thing is, for that movie, it worked fine. I didn't have I didn't ha- have those concerns with that movie. It worked fine in the context of that movie and the story they were telling. It was uh, I actually enjoyed the way they did it in that film. But you see less Kirk. Though I do agree that George is a jerk. Like when George started giving Kirk a hard time about yeah. his promotion and saying, "You're just do- you're living the life that Dad thought you should live," and like, why is that a complaint? How is that something to complain about? Yeah, that was very strange. I have to go back and watch. Was it Operation Annihilate? It's when they find, I think it's Operation Annihilate, when they find Sam Kirk dead. Yes, I was wondering that too, if they um, had a bad relationship in the original series. I have to, I, I don't, I feel like, so, if these writers are anything on Strange New Worlds, they're certainly accurate with continuity. They may take liberties, but they they honor, they pretty much follow, yeah. they follow canon. So and that's what that. Congratulations on your fleet captain promotion says like they care right. enough to at least do those things. So and quite frankly, now that I think of it, I should have gone back to watch Operation Annihilate to see if that actually was the case. Yes. You would expect them to have a prickly relationship based on this. Right. So because we don't God, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. I don't think we see George alive in that episode. I think they just find him dead, as I, as my recollection. Oh yeah. So then, and I think his nephew, his nephew like, survives. Oh, my brother was a real prick. <laughs> well, he's dead. I think they find him dead, but his nephew, Kirk's nephew, survives. Peter, I think his name was. So George's son. So, um, a real douche. I don't. Yeah, I have to go back and look and and see. Um, and I can. I can maybe come back to this point on the next one just to confirm, but I should have just done it at the time. It didn't even occur to me to do that until now. Yeah. 
But some, but the thing is, something about that did feel familiar. I feel like they did mention something like that on the episode that there was some kind of contentious relationship between them. It didn't yeah. feel. It feel felt like I had heard it before, and I don't mean like on this show. I think that I think I know that about them somehow, and I think maybe that episode did mention it, just like in a line or something. I did just think a very funny way. I I think it would meaning would have been better if let's say Kirk was making progress and it seemed like he was hitting on her horror and she was starting to go for it. And then Spock, you know, interrupted the whole thing. That yeah. Would have been nice. That would have been fun. Agreed. Yeah. I no, I totally agree with that. Um, well, uh, give me your odds and ends. Okay. And on that, now this one here is interesting. So we're all, we all know that in the original series, the, uh, Nurse Chapel's skirt was very short, right? Yes. So what I noticed, and I've been noticing this recently, and I just figured it out, the nurses' uniforms are very flattering because what they do is you have that white, all white, but they have that silver bit that shows makes the waist. It's not really the waist, but they put the waistline like well above the belly button. So everybody that wears it looks like they have super long legs. That's what I noticed. And I thought it was interesting, worth mentioning for some reason. So in a way, they've done a similar thing. By having a super short skirt, it makes people's legs look longer. And by putting that waistline higher, it makes everybody's legs look really long. So in a less, you know, revealing and and, uh, not practical way, they've essentially done the same thing. It's impressive. Interesting odds and ends. Yes. Um, Fuel collecting nacelles, that was interesting. Yep. We've seen that happen before. We've seen it. Okay, happen. Yep. They did an insurrection. There wasn't they, they were using the nacelles, the buzzer collectors to collect something, to collect a gas to set off an explosion. So it wasn't fuel, but they were using uh, yeah. the buzzer but so but that's terminology, right? They say, you know, uh, Ortega said, you know, I think she I forget her actual line, but she said buzzer collectors, which is totally on point, totally accurate. Yeah. Um, and I I did I thought like I thought dilithium was starship fuel, but I'm assuming that I'm warp. just being about nope, something. That's for the warp engines. Warp only. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was smart enough to know that I probably didn't know. Deuterium uh, is well known in Trek. It became it, it it became a thing on Voyager. There were times where they had to conserve their deuterium. There's a whole episode in season four called um Demon. Where they're running low on deuterium, they have to like shut down half the ship to conserve it until they can find a planet where they can actually get some. Let's see. So, also, I really yeah. enjoyed the space jazz band that was playing. Me too. And, it, and it, I thought Riker was going to come on any moment and start uh, so wailing. I'm actually thank you for mentioning that because it reminded me of the the, the sort of jazz music. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me a little bit, even though it was like in the show it wasn't like the show's soundtrack it was being done in the show kind of reminded me so uh it's court martial when we see we first meet the who ends up becoming the prosecutor against kirk the woman whose name i forget mccoy is sort of like kind of putting the moves on and they're playing like a jazzy version of the tos theme as he's doing it and i thought that's kind of reminding me of like that of that yeah 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 i i I do often think that they use some motifs and little cues from the music of the original series. But one thing in watching some original series recently that I forgot is that they use guitar 
and bass and drums in the original series soundtrack, which I don't believe you ever hear any electric guitar in the, uh, mm. in the Strange New World soundtrack. So it would be nice if they would bring some electric guitar in there. I did like the way after the after Kirk and Spock meet and they're sitting at the table with the horror, the way the camera just kind of panned out and backed and then the door shut. Um, the I don't think there was any real significance to it, but I noticed that like the design on the doors like did kind of have like a 1960s you know look to it but i thought to myself like am i is there something i should be getting that i'm not that i'm not hmm, but I, I don't know i don't know that it, i don't know that they were shooting for anything but it did sort of have like a 60s feel to it and again you know as they do very well on the show like there were just those certain design aesthetics like again like wood grain wood paneling and stuff that sort of remind you of the 19 of like a 1960s design aesthetic which i think is a really nice touch Agreed. As far as continuity goes, I mean, I, I've this whole episode was all continuity, so there's no, there are no specific bits to call out that I have not called out already. So the biggest one, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is when Uhura and Kirk meet. Um, it's very similar to how it happens in the first Kelvin film, and then also keeping in continuity with pike being promoted to fleet captain and meeting kirk for the very first time so this and which was first mentioned in the menagerie part one so um oh and actually sorry there is one thing i wanted to mention which also goes back to the kelvin film so kirk and his brother do talk about their dad george kirk and his record rise to first officer of the uss kelvin which was also shown in the abrams film so they mentioned the USS Kelvin, despite the fact that, you know, timeline split, that's where the timeline split, but they mentioned the USS Kelvin. Yeah. And I got to say, it goes back to like when this show was announced, there were times I found myself asking, can we see sort of the events of that universe? Can we see like their respective versions in this universe? Right. Mm. Like, cause I remember saying at one point did kirk become captain of the enterprise in this universe in a, in a similar fashion to that movie right was it because of some you know imminent danger or something like that doesn't look like that's going to be the case but nevertheless i like that we're seeing the original series crew meet in this timeline and we're sort of and so we can now sort of see it in both timelines it's happening differently there are some similarities but I like, but I like that we're, um, that we are seeing that. Agreed. Maybe we'll even see bones. I, again, I'll say, I'll say it again. I think at some point we're going to see everybody. Mm. I do. Um, I think we'd even see Chekhov. I said this maybe when we were talking about tomorrow and tomorrow really? and tomorrow. Chekhov. What about Sulu? I, oh, I think we'll see all of them. But here's why I'm calling out Chekhov, because Chekhov joined the original series in the second season. I think this series is going to try to correct the continuity error with the Wrath of Khan, the way Khan recognized Chekhov, even uh, though Chekhov wasn't on the show yet. I, I would bet you any amount of money right now that this show is going to establish that Chekhov was Lower Decks during the yeah. first season because 
the first episode he's in on the original series there's no like fanfare there's no like welcome to the enterprise check off like he's just there mm, like yeah. any other officer yep. so there could have been some promotion and now he's a bridge officer right so i think i think this show is going to somehow it doesn't directly fix it but it at least provides an in-universe explanation I'm like oh well he was on the enterprise and they just met yeah. in a scene off screen someplace Khan probably has super memory of faces so of course you would recognize him well and walter koenig is like every time walter koenig gets asked this at a convention he always has like some story about how like there's a scene you didn't see where like Khan's genetically engineered bladder was about to explode and he couldn't get into the bathroom in time and when Chekhov came out he said your face I will never forget your face <laughs> that's funny so yeah <laughs> very good well next week or in our case tomorrow we're going to be uh, talking about we're going to be recording our next episode those old scientists. Those old scientists. By the way, I hate myself for this because I totally forgot about something when we were talking about when we were like when I revealed the title of that episode. Those old scientists. They that's what Ransom called Kirk and Spock in season one of Lower Decks. T O S. Those old scientists. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, fuck. And I after we released after I released the episode, I was like, shit, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So it was like a lower decks reference in the title. Because for the long time, I'm like, why are they calling it those old scientists? And then, then it occurred to me. I, was I like, didn't oh. know that at all. Well, because Ransom, yeah. in it's that episode where they go back to Beta 2 and they talk about, they show Landrew yeah. again and like, yeah. and they're looking at the pictures of Kirk and Spock on their pad and Ransom says, oh, I just call them those old scientists, you know, or TOS for TOS. short. Yeah. And I'm like, it's the perfect Lower Decks show. And I'm like, oh my God, the title's a line from Lower Decks. And I was like, fuck, I hate that I didn't even think of that. It didn't occur to me when we were recording this. So, great but i'm glad i have the context to do it again so and and write that wrong so yeah so the next episode those old scientists or otherwise known as tos is going to be the long-awaited crossover between strange new worlds and lower decks so yes. can it put up to the hype in the anticipation yeah we will, we will find out so i'll just read a quick the quick uh synopsis as i do every week which is an accident while investigating a time portal sends ensigns Beckett Mariner and Bradward Boimler through time from the 24th century, and Captain Pike and his crew must get them back where they belong before they can alter the timeline. I think what's what I'm going to be curious to see is both shows, of course, have an entirely different vibe to them. And is it how are they going to mesh well together? They're tonally different. That's what I meant to say. Tonally different. Honestly, like this is a thing that has prevented things like this from happening because yeah, it, it, this is in many different franchises thing where tonal differences make them keep things apart. I hope so I hope that they they can just you know show. I hope that this baby will make other franchises recognize that you tonal differences don't matter. I had a similar thought with that when we had all of those Marvel shows on Netflix, when you had Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, you know, they were very gritty. They were violent. They were very adult, mm -hmm. but simultaneously you still had agents of shield airing on ABC. Right. And I thought to myself, 
Sure. I mean, I'm sure they could do a crossover, but I just feel like it would be weird to have like Jessica Jones appear on Agents of Shield because the sh- her show is so it like it wouldn't be the same just I feel like it wouldn't be the same Jessica Jones because they wouldn't be that, yeah. The Daredevil on She-Hulk is not the same Daredevil even though it's the same actor. Oh, this has come up before? Yeah, so the actor from the Netflix Daredevil has been on the Disney Plus She-Hulk and oh, he's you- the same actor, but he's a totally different Daredevil. You've very. mentioned this to me, beyond, yeah, 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 yeah. But the like, one thing that I'll never see that I always thought should be done was Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn, the live action version, should meet because it would be funny. Because right. one is very serious and one is very silly, and that would be a fun contract. And, but the thing is with this, like, I can, I can't imagine that the lower decks. I can't believe there would be any concessions made. I feel like it, they're going to be lower decks and it's going to be strange new worlds. And I, and actually in, in a way, I feel like with Boimler and Mariner being on strange new worlds, I could see Spock and number one being like, or just everybody on that show being like perfect foils to them. Because I think even though they exist in the same world, they come from different times. So in a way that kind of yeah. like maybe helps them. Cause it's like, you could be, they could be like, what the hell is it like in the future? What, where do you come yeah, from? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that could just, yeah, like, because you, you can even imagine if someone from our time met someone from 1917, right? Yeah. It would be a very similar vibe where you wouldn't get their jokes and their whole cadence of speech would be very off-putting, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, so I'm I'm very, very excited to see this. I I don't doubt that they are going to pull it off i feel like they're gonna knock it out of the park i have no reason to think i mean the two best current trek shows are coming together for a week for an episode so i think they'll do i think they'll do wonderfully i think they're great i think we'll do i, I predict that they'll do lots of uh, enterprise references but great so we're looking forward to that episode and i think it's going to be a really good one so until then we will see you all next time to discuss those old scientists the long anticipated strange new worlds lower decks crossover i know i already said that but i just like saying it the highly anticipated highly anticipated yeah all right keep on trekking